podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Face Off. Football is back after what seems to have been the shortest summer in existence. I suppose it's the one benefit of, of the season, last season getting stalled for so long. But that means Liverpool are back in action and we have matches to cover on this here podcast. And today we're going to be covering Liverpool's opening 4-3 nail-biter against Leeds United at Anfield. And I've got two great guests to take me through the match today. Firstly, I'll introduce our Leeds fan. And we have Mr. Ian Brogan. How are you doing tonight, Ian? I'm very good, Kyle. Yourself? I'm not too bad, thank you. Now, in Leeds' fall from the top table came fast and hard. They found themselves relegated to the championship in May 2004. Having been playoff runners-up the previous season, they then found themselves relegated to League One in May 2007. However, in May 2010, they won promotion back to the championship, and now, 10 years on, they've finally completed the return to the promised land. Can you recall how tough that fall was, and how does it feel now to be back where you feel you belong? Well, it was, it was extraordinarily tough. I don't think um, very many football clubs in the world that have gone through what Leeds have gone through. It, to be quite honest, it's heartbreaking seeing a team that's so well-supported and so big in the footballing world crumble so so quickly really um, it was out of nowhere not necessarily out of nowhere you can sort of see the signs coming but it happened so quickly no one could actually comprehend it um, it's been a long time rebuilding and we've had some absolute clowns involved in the club since um, between owners and managers and some players as well but now we find 16 years we finally made it and it's just phenomenal like the feeling is I know Liverpool have waited 30 years to win the league, but this feels like, I, I think this feels just as good. Yeah, I can, I can certainly imagine that. I mean, it was, I mean, I've, I've known you a long time and I had to deal with the, the Viduka four goals and all that sort. And, but then to suddenly see Leeds battling down in the championship and then League One was a, a massive change. So, you know, I, I feel that they are back, back where they belong. And one man who has clearly played a huge part in your success is your manager slash master of whispers, Marcello Bielsa. His appointment was nothing short of a coup for the club, playing in second-tier football. This is a manager who is said to have influenced both Maurizio Pochettino and Diego Simeone, and who Pep Guardiola described as the best. How central do you feel he has been to your promotion? What exactly is Bielsa ball? And what are your views on Spygate? Well, he he has been absolutely massive to the um to the promotion um leading us to the league title. We fell a bit short last year, but that was look it was it, it was a work in progress. We knew it was we knew it wasn't going to happen straight away. Um, but he he's taken a team that were, I mean, they were playoff contenders, but never really got going properly. He didn't make a massive amount of signings. He took a team that were mediocre and turned them into the best and most exciting team in the championship. And it only took him 
a little over a year. Yeah, like they got they got tired. There were injuries, and um, you could see that the Bielsa ball was maybe taking its toll a bit. But I, I I do think that was because of the amount of matches there are in the championship. So it took a year in and around for players to get used to it. And the Bielsa ball is just non-stop pressing, attacking football, um, hold the ball. Well, it's relentless. It's it's relentless. The players talk about the uh, training where they're doing what they call murder ball. Um, so they're doing little five-a-side games, but every time the ball goes out of play, another one goes in straight away. There's no stopping. You do that for 30 minutes and then you go again or however long it is. Um, so it's it's ideas like that that have revolutionized the way that Leeds have played. May, eventually, if all things go well, revolutionize the way football is played. He has um, he has um, influenced a lot of big managers and a lot of players around the world. And um, even Messi has said he'd like to play for him again sometime. So how oh, you never know. We might see Messi in the Leeds jersey. I think there's more chance of Bielsa going to Barcelona though. Um, but that's it. Like he's he's just he is this he he's a huge personality that brings a lot to the club. Has great ideas tactically. Has this type of football that is very very good to watch. Although we don't really have a striker who can finish so that doesn't really help um, so we make lots of chances but don't actually finish most of them um, I think we were 19th in the finishing tables in the championship last year even though we won the league like that's awful for the amount of chances we had um, and then Spygate I mean look as he said that's what they all do in Argentina so <laughs> for him it was completely normal there was nothing wrong with it Um and it gave a bit of controversy, but it also showed that how it showed what the man does when he sat there and did that press conference where he brought everyone through exactly what he does for every single team. How much goes into um, researching each team, knowing where their weaknesses are, knowing who their best players are, knowing what to do to prevent or to um, to, to contain their best players and try and play against. Or play play against their weaknesses, really. Even though the team always looks like it's playing the exact same way, just slight differences in every way they in every um, game they've played. There are just little nuances that you might not notice, but when you look back in it, and we've had a really good game, and it might be close, but we've run out two nil winners or two one winners. It's because Bielsa has done so much work that he knows if you push um, a player onto his left foot every time he comes up to it, up to every time he gets the ball, you just push him out to the left. He might get the ball like every like every ball that goes to him are gonna be useless. He's not gonna be able to do it. And that's just because Bielsa's done so much work to figure out exactly what makes those players tick and what makes every other team in the league tick. So Spygate was fun. I won't say much more on it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you're you're dead on with the the little nuances because I think we we've seen some of them on on Saturday, and I'm sure we'll we'll get to that on on how he he dealt with with Liverpool. Um, but we are in the midst of a transfer window at the moment. There's about a month to go. Uh, Leeds have experienced mixed results so far. They failed to land top target Ben White, who was a key man while on loan last season with Brighton and Hove Albion seemingly placing a hefty price tag on him. However, they turned to Plan B and picked up German international Robin Koch from Freiburg. They also secured club record signing Rodrigo from Valencia. 
previous loanies Meslier and Costa have been made permanent and Jack Harrison has been secured for another season from Manchester City. Their quest to secure a wide attacker now sees Liverpool's own Harry Wilson linked with moves for Ryan Kent of Rangers and Rodrigo De Paul of Udinese having seemingly met a brick wall. Are you happy with the business so far and what else do you want to see happen before the window shuts? Um, I am happy with the business so far. Rodrigo could end up being a very good player for us. Like I said earlier, we we are missing a prolific striker. Um, so for me, I would like to see another striker coming in who can actually, who is maybe a 20-goal a season striker. I know um, Patrick Bamford got 16 last year, but that's over nearly 40 games. And to be quite honest, even though he scored at the weekend and it was a well-taken goal, there were one or two other chances. If he just threw his leg at it, he might have scored. And he he is missing that. He he suits Bielsa's play because he does drop back in. He, he does add a lot to it. But we are missing that out-and-out goal-scoring striker. But I don't think that's really what Bielsa wants if they can't have that link-up play as well. Um, Rodrigo de Paul, we would like to see a player like that coming in because we do need a bit more in midfield. Um, a lot of the lad, like So we have... Sort of three, three, four starting midfielders. But when you look at Pablo Hernandez, he's getting old. He can't. He's not going to last the full season. He'll get injured, and he he won't make a full game anyway. We have young players coming through, but I don't know if they're ready for the Premier League yet. So someone like Rodrigo de Paul would be a great addition. Now today he was left out of the Udinese squad for a preseason friendly, so there is a glimmer of hope there that we might still be able to grab him. But um, I would like to see another centre um, centre mid. Um, I'd also like a centre half because when you look at it, um, Pascal Strike is good, but he's young. He's only getting going. As we saw the weekend, Kosh is he, he's not ready. I, sorry, I think he'll be very good. He's just not 100% there yet because I don't think he had time to sit in. And Lee, um, Liam Cooper was injured. So I think we're also missing that little bit more. Uh, or that little bit of experience in the English league and centre half. So I would like to see someone, someone coming from an English club in for centre half. And Harry Wilson would be a great signing if we got him. But I think we have more pressing, um, pressing positions than out wide at the moment because we have Jack Harrison, we have Heather Costa, um, Pablo can play out in the wing if we need him. So can Rodrigo. Pat- Patrick Bamford will do a job out there if you really need him to. We have options there. Um, and then there's also the Augustine um, saga. So we're not really sure what's happening there. We may have to sign him because he didn't uh, he didn't really work out. So I'm happy enough with what we've done. I think we need to do a little bit more. But at the same time, I'm not too concerned, um, especially after the weekend. We have the players to go toe-to-toe, one of the best teams in the league. So if not the best team in the league. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, it, there's there's certainly a, a great base there, and and as you said, maybe a, a couple signings in in key areas could could make all all the difference. Um, now we also have to to give us the Liverpool point of view. Of course, we we need to to have a Liverpool fan in here to to even things out. And joining me today, it, it's a bit of a, a passing of the torch because the to, to give us the Liverpool side of things, we have the former host of this show, Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you doing, Guy? I'm good. It's been like almost like a couple of days since we've spoken. It it has. It's 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 it certainly seems like we're getting we're getting good again at getting the 
the pods in and, and we already have another another uh, one up lined up for for next friday shameless early plug early plug i love it i love That's it, it yeah. yeah but you have to get them in where you can exactly. um but we're not here to, to talk about video games today guy we're here of course to talk football um so just like leeds weren't the only were were able to achieve a long-term aim last season liverpool did, did something you know fairly notable themselves they they ended a 30-year wait and lifted the league for the 19th time now that there's been a bit of time for it all to sink in how do you feel about it all guy Oh, it's absolutely smashing. I mean, even 2020 can't um, stop. Can't stop Leeds getting promoted. It can't stop Liverpool winning the league. So it's been a cursed year. Um, and hopefully the curses have been lifted. But no, it, it, it's absolutely glorious. Obviously, it's in very weird circumstances. Um, because, I mean, we were, we were meant to be doing the, uh, uh, Anfield Index get, get together and on the, par- on the day before the parade and on parade day as well. So it's, it's unfortunate in that in terms of not being able to celebrate it properly. But when, when the time comes and the whole world gets back to some normality, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll have something lined up. But no, it, it, it's absolutely smashing. It, it really is. And, it feels weird. I mean, what what do you make of it, Carmi? Coming into a season as champions, sure is different, isn't it? It it really is. I mean, it, you, every year we come in, obviously with our with our aims, and but we know the team's particularly good. We we dare to dream of winning the league. Other years, maybe it's you know let let's just get Champions League football. But now we've gone and won the league. The obvious aim is to win it again, but. It, aiming to do so in your head feels a lot different than than trying to end that weight. It, it is a very strange feeling, but nonetheless a a positive feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, well, I'm just <laughs> I'm glad we've got a tough game out the way, which are obviously going to go into a bit more depth. But uh, first game of the season, it's pretty well. We had Norwich last season, which was a bit easier, um, and. I think Leeds proved they're probably a bit better than Norwich. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, they certainly. I think they were they were certainly stronger in in certain areas, and and we we will get into that. Um, but it hasn't all been all a big party since we lifted the title. Our, our performances since, and and per, perhaps even prior to the season stalling, have have been somewhat inconsistent, which seems in sharp contrast to the well-oiled winning winning machine we were in the first seven months of the season. Can you put your finger on any possible explanations for the change in form, Guy? Oh, God. Um, maybe just an ease of the fact that we knew we were winning the Premier League since December. Was it that early? I mean, we came back from the Club World Cup and we we battered Leicester, didn't we? Uh, I can't remember if you played Man City around that time. I don't know. I think it was before that. But Le- Leicester, I think Leicester might have actually been second, but we came back and battered them 4-0. And I think... After that game, maybe the fan base wouldn't admit it due to possible jinxing it, but um, I think that's when the, the confidence in, in and the gap just kind of kept growing, and Man City kept slipping up. So we pretty much won the league back then. Um, but in terms of the overall form, I mean, we had a good, we had a couple injuries, and people recovered really badly from the injuries. Like Fabinho was absolutely space jammed, like a hundred percent. And um, 
Allison wasn't out for as long, if I remember correctly, but I mean, he's not looked his superhuman self, and you even saw the evidence of that um, on uh, on Saturday. So it, it's just strange to think when you've got a team that is never injured, when they do get injured, they're just not used to it, and it takes a long time for them to get back. I mean, that was probably the beauty of having Daniel Sturridge. Every time he came back from an injury, he looked the exact same until until he literally lost all his pace. But yeah, it's just it, it's just a strange one. But no, I think the main I think the main factor is the fact we we had the league wrapped up pretty much. Well, in twenty nineteen, so I think I think we just got a bit too comfortable. We saw it in the Champions League, especially against Atletico, where we went out. I mean, we still should have went through, and obviously, if we had Allison, we probably would have. But just a bit of complacency in that game, a lack of quality finishing. I mean, we we could have. I'm not saying we were going to go on and do the double, but it would have been nice to make it into the mini Champions League tournament thing at least. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that was a, a big disappointment, especially after in the 90 minutes in the second leg, you know, some, some argue mm. that was possibly our best performance of the season, just, just lacked the finishing. Um, and obviously our block had, had quite the game. Um, but yeah, no, it, it is a shame that we dipped when we dipped. Um, but nonetheless, given that we won the title, we, we can't have too many complaints and we hope obviously that the, it is just a case of the players having to, to get back that focus and, and hunger for, for winning things again. Um, but speaking, speaking of players and, and potentially new players, the transfer window continues to be a hot topic for our fans. It started well with the clear out of a few players that many felt we had outgrown and the arrival of Costas Simicas, the backup left back that many felt has been lacking for some time. However, since then, it's been somewhat frustrating with daily non-updates, best way to describe them, on the Thiago <laughs> saga and suggestions the club is also looking at adding to other areas within the team. However, it all seemingly depends on our ability to move players on, something which we are struggling to do. What are your thoughts on the window so far? Do you expect further additions to be made and, and do you feel that they're required? Yeah, I'll start, I'll start with Simicus. I mean, I've, I've never seen him play apart from that one preseason game he played where Millie swore at him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he apparently did well against Adama Traore in the Europa League game, which I missed. Um, so that, that's a good test to have, especially coming into the Premier League. Um, so yeah, happy with that. I mean, 11 odd million. We got, we got that for pretty much the same for Lovren. So I mean, net balance of zero pretty much. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's fine. We, we've needed a, le- a backup left back pretty much forever because even the old ones Klopp didn't really trust and I mean I'm I'm pretty sure you probably agree with me watching James Milner he is aging quite quickly especially when you put him in fullback position so yeah less of him at left back the better um so very happy with that but in terms of the other business I'm getting bored <laughs> getting bored of it now Carl I mean you, you know from WhatsApp and stuff I do love a transfer but Christ even this is getting too much maybe it's the condensed summer but it's just the same update every damn day, and I don't like it. Just Tiago signed for like eight weeks now, and it's annoying me. 
Oh no, the the latest was you know as of last night because of uh, odds in the bookies he was signing for United, but uh, their mm. chief correspondent that the the Manchester Evening News came out and said he's not at all a target, and they think Thiago's agents are just using them to push Liverpool to to make a bid. So uh, at least mm. there's been a little bit of a mix up in the in the stories. Um, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm, I'm kind of half of me as much as I want signings, half of me just wants. The, the window to be slammed shut so we don't have to listen to it. I think Klopp probably shares that sentiment based on some, some recent interviews but um, hopefully um, it, it becomes less of a stress and, and more of a pleasure in the, the coming weeks but mm. I suppose time will tell on that one um, but we are of course here to discuss a match today and obviously before the match comes the announcement of the 11th so we're going to discuss them now, we'll start with Leeds uh, now Leeds lined up in their usual 4-1-4-1 with Meslier between the sticks, Dallas, Strick, Koch and Ailing making up the back four, Calvin Phillips the anchor in midfield with Klitsch and Hernandez ahead of him in the middle and Harrison and Costa on the flanks and Bamford the lone man up front. Now skipper Liam Cooper was a notable miss as you already touched on Ian but aside from that was there any other surprises for you or was it how you expected Leeds to line up? Um, no, it's probably how I expected. I mean, Koch, we were a bit, uh, I was a bit surprised was playing, but then we didn't, we don't really have anyone else who would have been up to the, up to standard. Um, he did look fairly off the mark. He wasn't lucky with the penalty at the, in the, the first penalty. Um, but he just didn't look, he didn't look up to speed. Uh, anyway, um, a few, like for, um, Van Dyke's goal, he just, he wasn't, he, he he wasn't marking properly and he was awful to be quite honest. Um, and then for the disallowed Van Dyke goal, I mean he was very lucky that someone left a bit on him as Van Dyke got away from him too easily a second time. Now, I know Van Dyke's a, a very strong um, attacker in the for, from set pieces, but you can't be letting him away like that. And he just he literally stood on the other side of three players and watched them bury a ball into the back of the net. So. He was the only one I was a bit surprised at because I didn't think he'd be ready for the for um, English football, and to be quite honest, he wasn't. Um, Pablo Hernandez as well was a bit surprising, not because he's not able for it, just he's I, he's been used more as an impact so near the end when you need that little bit of spark and the pace that Liverpool play at. I didn't think Bielsa would put him up, put him in. I would have thought that he might play Dallas in midfield because he likes using Dallas everywhere and maybe played Alioski on the left wing or left full. But apart from that, I was happy or I, I didn't think there was any any surprises. And um, he wasn't gonna play Rodrigo straight off the bat. He was gonna give Bam he loves Bamford. Bamford does exactly what he wants, which is just dig in, drop back, defend when you have to. I mean, two minutes into the game, um, Bamford was nearly in his own box defending, which is what Bielsa wants from all his players um, and everyone else has proven themselves as Leeds players so I did, there was no no real shocks um, I know some people were surprised Kiko Casilla didn't didn't start but Meslier fitted in perfectly at the end of last season when Casilla was uh, suspended and to be no like to drop him would be a massive injustice to him because he's young he's he has he's made very few mistakes and he's only going to get better. And Kiko Garcia made his own bed. He'll have to sleep in it for a while. So 
maybe one day he'll get back into that squad. But honestly, I think he goes his time at Leeds is realistically done. There's just no point. Like we don't have anyone else to put in there at the moment, so he'll sit on the bench until we either sell him or bring in another or another goalkeeper. So apart, no, there's no apart from maybe Hernandez, and as I said, Koch. But now I was happy enough with the squad, and I thought it was exactly how we were going to line up. Now, Liverpool also lined up in a familiar formation, the 4-3-3. The back five that's seen them through much of last season, no surprise surprises there. A midfield three of Henderson, Wijnaldum and Keita, and a front three that often picks itself, Salah, Firmino, Mane. However, there had been some successful experimentation with the 4-2-3-1 during pre-season, with Minamino playing a key part. And I gather I wasn't the only one surprised to see Henderson start so soon, having missed much of preseason through injury. Were you surprised to see Klopp stick with the 4-3-3? And what were your thoughts on the omission of Fabinho in midfield, Guy? Um, on the 4-3-3, no. I think he'll always revert back to 4-3-3. He seems to have uh, found it uh, that to be more successful in the Premier League than than his old trusty 4-2-3-1 from his Dortmund days. Um, so, that, no, that didn't surprise me. But in terms of uh, Henderson starting, I mean, yeah, I mean, not the fact that it's, that it's Henderson, it's just the fact that Henderson, as you said, had no pre-season. I don't think he played one minute of pre-season. And I think he only had a week of training. Uh, and I think... Klopp even said in the press conference he was a doubt, so unless Fabinho's picked up a knock or he's done something, um, I just don't really get the justification of that. But um, yeah, uh, that, that that was the main surprise. There was maybe a question mark if Ginny would have started with, with the, the transfer looming over him. Um, but no, I think as long as Ginny's here, Klopp's going to trust him. We've seen at both Dortmund and Liverpool, if if someone's in the last year of his contract, Klopp doesn't really care. He'll he'll play him, he'll play him regardless. Um, so yeah, no real surprise there. But the fact that Henderson, it's it it's not like he only had like a half a preseason, had no preseason. So it, it very very strange because Klopp normally protects players. He doesn't normally rush them back. Um, so yeah, it was it was very strange, and I think the performance you you, you could literally tell from like the first few minutes that Henderson was a very, very way off uh, match fitness. So, yeah, it was a, was a surprise. Yeah, no, I, I, I think um, Henderson, as, as I said, that, that was the, the real surprise there. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into kind of how, how he did on the day. Um, but with that, let, let's get into the, the match. Um, there was a, a bright star from the home side, resulting in Mane nearly getting in on goal. On three minutes, the pressure finally paid off when a Salah shot hit the outstretched arm of Koch, with Salah then dispatching the penalty into the roof of the net. Were you expecting an easy day at the office at that point, Guy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the way more especially started the game, you were thinking, oh, this this might be one of them days where we just absolutely batter him. Uh, and yeah, I agree. I mean, we started the game quite well as a unit as well, and I thought this could snowball. It did not. <laughs> um, on the penalty, I'm, I'm sure you're going to ask uh, Ian this. Uh, if I was a Leeds fan, I'd be kind of annoyed because nobody's really explained what the new handball rule actually is. Um, but apparent, apparently, it's a penalty. 
um, due to the new rules that nobody's meant, nobody's actually mentioned what the new rule is. But yeah, that'd kind of annoy me if I was a Leeds fan. But I was very happy to take it because we should have had a lot more penalties last season. So it's a nice start to the season. <laughs> and of course, I will will go to to Ian now. Now, Ian, I, I said to you previously in regards to this that by, in my opinion, by the old rules, it's probably not a penalty, but the new rules, it is. I mean, what what now that the the dust has settled? What what's your verdict on whether it was a penalty or not? I did. I mean, by the letter of the law, it probably was a penalty, but it's so harsh. I mean, it comes off his knee. Like when you when you watched the first, it looked like he just went and hit his hand straight out, and you're going, yeah, that's probably a penalty. But looking back and it hits his knee, I mean, you can't allow for that. Like you can't anticipate that. Um, it's not like he actually had his hand out outstretched. To block the ball, he knew where it was going. It hit his knee. If that had a went, like that could have went anywhere. To be quite honest, so I feel it was a bit harsh. Um, but look, it is what it is. I'm not. I'm not one to to cry and moan about it. Um, I still don't think. I said sorry. I still think it was very harsh. But look, it was given. That's the end of it. You can't change it. You're not going to change referee's mind. Uh, now maybe if they had went to VAR, maybe sorry, maybe VAR could have overruled it. We don't know if they had a look. They probably did. I think they have a look at all these things now. So maybe they could have changed changed the mind, but obviously they didn't see anything um, to change it for. Um, and at that stage, I was, there was part of me getting, or there was part of me that was very worried um, that things were going to, that we weren't going to uh, wake up at all at that stage because we were getting starting to get pinned back already and it, it didn't look too, uh, too good. Yeah, well, I mean, on that note, it, it quickly became apparent that Liverpool wouldn't have it all their way when on nine minutes there was a warning for them as Costa put the ball into the net, fortunately from an offside position from a Liverpool point of view, after Liverpool had failed to deal with a cross from their left side. Was this an example of a good line or an example of poor defending being led off by an offside call guy? And should should Trent have made a challenge on Phillips and, and should Joe Gomez not be playing the whistle? Something you know that, that uh, I find happens with Liverpool's defence a little too often for my liking. Yeah, we're, we're very confident in the assistant referee nowadays, aren't we? <laughs> um, it, I think it was a it was the start of the bad defending for the day. I think it seemed very panicked. Um, we, I don't think we meant that to be offside. It was just lucky it was. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was the start of the day. I think it's obviously not the worst error because we got away with it. But uh, you could see from that point on, um, the defense is going to continue their their poor form that we discussed um, earlier on. And yeah, um, Gomez. Normally, normally he's quite safe as well, especially when he's on his top form. But I, I agree. I mean, since since the 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 drop in intensity and form, I think he's he's kind of become more casual. Maybe he's learning the wrong things off Virgil because Virgil can be casual, but at times, but he's always. I say always. Uh, we have to get to their second goal. Yeah, um, he's usually um, very in control, whereas maybe Gomez being so close to Virgil and pretty much having. That uh, the first choice centre back role locked in for so long now, maybe he feels a bit more safe where he can take his foot off uh, foot off the gas a, a wee bit. But um, yeah, I think going off people's reaction on Twitter, I mean the the, the calls for Matip are 
are intensifying and each inch incident we go through in this match <laughs> I might bring him up a bit more as well yes certainly um, we'll, we'll certainly get to that question um, well unfortunately it didn't appear that Liverpool reacted to the warning as on 12 minutes Leeds had the ball back in the net and this time it was an offside how about you describe the goal for us in? well first off there's an absolutely beautiful pass from Calvin Phillips from deep out onto the left wing to um, Jack Harrison. And, I mean, the, the first touch to control the ball was brilliant, but the second ball, the second touch to take it past um, uh, Trent was, I mean, was phenomenal. And then, to be quite honest, he made a show of Trent and Joe Gomez before burying the ball into the bottom corner. Um, like, you don't see goals like that very often, and it was it was magical. And it was, it was good to see Leeds wake up and be that attacking force that they have been in the championship um, but uh, from from my perspective it was a great goal but it was very poor defending there was there was no, no arguments here <laughs> uh, there was no there was no like there was nothing from from a Liverpool side there was no one sort of standing up and going actually these are a danger let's try and stop them they seemed very complacent and um, as we all know as the game went on that didn't actually change but I have to say, like the Harrison goal is one of the best goals I've seen. It was the best goal I'd seen that day until another goal later on. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll certainly come to that. Yeah. Now, Guy, taking nothing away from the pass and the finish record, because they, they were both mm. sublime, uh, was this an example of further poor defending from a Liverpool point of view? And uh, again, both Joe Gomez and Trent Alexander-Arnold were suspect. Um, what what did you make of their defensive performances overall? Yeah, I mean, even before they were forced to defend, it, it showed the problem in the game that we allowed probably, well, Leeds' best player, I don't want to go enough reputation, but they're not best player to my knowledge, Phillips to have that much space. I mean, whether it's Bobby, Cater or Henderson or Ginny, whoever hell has to press him, should be pressing him and not letting him to have that much space to make the pass but as you said Harrison after that it's just absolutely magical um but yeah I mean Trent I think Trent's just done by a brilliant bit of skill really the the, the second touch is just absolutely fabulous Gomez is very rash but as we said that that's not something we normally associate with him and I mean recently or towards the end of the season we were probably post Man City that's probably the point wasn't it where Sterling got in his head um, we, we've seen more rashness and um, it, it's unfortunately continued and Trent probably the second unfittest player in our first team you'd probably say after Henderson he, he just looked lost I think it was the same on England duty as well I didn't watch it because why would I watch England v Denmark <laughs> I'm glad I didn't consider <laughs> this go um but he, was, he apparently wasn't that good in that game as well. But um, yeah, Trent was done, and Gomez. He, I don't know. I don't know what he was trying to do. He was trying to make a desperation tackle, and pretty much just ran past him. I don't know what he was doing. And I, I'd like to add Allison in as well. I mean, it might be might be harsh, but this was the best goalkeeper in the world a year ago. Um, I think he. I think at his peak of his powers, he probably saves it. So it's uh, it was it wasn't great for anyone in that team, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, Van Dyke desperately tries to get a block in, but it's just just too little, too late. I mean, you you talked about Joe Gomez being rash there, and you you've talked pre- there on the previous chance about um, 
the, the calls for Joel Matip to come back into the team. Now, Joel Matip is, you know, you wouldn't describe him as rash in any way. He's very much a cool head. And is that maybe what's needed, you know, a bit of a reset at the back, at the, the cool head of, of Matip in beside the, the cool head of, of Van Dyke and just kind of calm things down a bit? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, we saw this at the start of last season, didn't we? I think, if I remember correctly, Gomez got the charity shield then, got the Norwich game, and I think some people said he got the Super Cup as well, but I can't remember that far. <laughs> I can't remember that game that well. So he, he got he got a few games at the opening of the season, then Matip kind of had a bit of a spell, but then obviously injured, because that's what Matip does. So maybe we're just seeing the usual season pattern of Gomez. He starts poorly, um, and then eventually locks in and plays really well for the middle part of the season. So... Yeah, if anyone's a fantasy football player, get Joe Gomez in in about December. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, you can see the see the calls for it because Matip, albeit was very limited due to the injuries, he, he was very good last season. Um, he just wasn't available enough. Whereas Joe Gomez was obviously excellent, but he, his form has con- his poor form has continued into this season. So yeah, I, I, it's harsh, but with Chelsea. Up next, it's probably safer to play Matip, albeit I'm watching the Chelsea game in the background and Chelsea aren't exactly cutting Brighton open at will, so maybe maybe it might be a safer uh, fixture than we think. Um, but yeah, it, I'd probably say Matip most likely. I'm not sure what Klopp will do, but if Gomez continues to play like that, Matip will be in sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I agree on that point. Um, now, fortunately, Liverpool didn't sit around feeling sorry for themselves for too long, however, and it paid dividends when on the 20 minutes, a nice pass from Van Dijk got Robbo in behind and he won a corner. How about you take it from here, Guy? I like I like when we can... I've missed being good at corners. It's uh, We obviously had the one against Barca, and... Uh, I can't really remember many iconic corners since then. It's just very, it's very nice. But, uh, yeah. Robbo, nice corner, which you don't really associate with him. And Van Dyke for a bloke who's seven foot tall and a unit kind of should score a bit more. But, um, I think Ian mentioned it wasn't exactly smashing defending from the new lad. But to be fair, if your first corner you've got to defend in the Premier League, go Mark Van Dyke. It's a bit of a tough task for someone coming from the Bundesliga where there's not many huge people. So it's a bit of a harsh task there. But no, it is an absolute uh, thunderous header. You've got to love a header. I mean, I'm not an Everton fan, but that Calvert-Lewin one the other day as well, you just love that. Got to love it. Yeah, it's nice. It's just, just, there's a lot of a lot of power behind a uh, headed goal. They are nice to watch. This very satisfactory. Um, now, Ian, you you already touched on when we were discussing the the team selections and and Koch in particular that he didn't really um, have the the best of of displays on the day. Um, he just wasn't convincing here. He, he lost Van Dyke far too easily. I mean, was it frustrating to to watch? Yeah, it was massively frustrating because you know you have like he was trying to man mark him without getting near him, so he was standing between like you could see that he he had said Van Dyke is my man, I'm going to have him because he's also seven foot and quite the unit. But if you're on the back foot and Van Dyke has a bit of a head of steam at you, you're not stopping him. That's the end of it. He's going to go through you. But he didn't even get close enough to him to put Van Dyke off. He was. 
stand, there was three players between him and Van Dyke when Van Dyke started moving. There's an, and he ran into his own, then he ran into another Leeds player. There's no way you're going to get up to stop him. Um, I think Meslier was poor as well. He dived backwards into the goal, which isn't how you try and save a ball. I mean, you're normally close enough to the line on the corner. So if you dive backwards, you're probably going to jump into the goal, um, which Meslier did. So as Carl, when we watched it the other day, we, we were saying it looked like the header actually brought, carried him over the line. <laughs> he, he actually just dived ba- or dove backwards and sort of caught the ball and brought it with him. Um, I honestly would have preferred to see him try, even just try and parry it down, back out. You never know what happens then. Someone might get a toe to get it out of the box. Um, all in all, it was absolutely shocking defending. I will say our set pieces are fairly terrible. They were last year as well. Um, normally, we're much worse at taking them than defending them, but it looks like that might might change as well, especially since we conceded four goals from set plays realistically um, at the weekend. I know two of them were penalties, but all four of them were realistically set plays. So I hope we can figure that out, and I hope Kosh gets a bit better. Um, but I don't want to see him marking Van Dyke ever again. <laughs> I don't think many fans want to see their centre half marking Van Dyke. To be fair, um, now the home side nearly found themselves three-one up when, on 28 minutes, under no pressure, centre half strike almost put the ball into his own net while trying to deal with a cross from Robbo, seemingly under no pressure. But Meslier was going to turn to the hero at this point as he was just able to to tip it over and and keep it at two-one. At this point in, was was the new centre-back pairing a, a clear issue? Yeah, um, you could see they had never played, to, or well, they might have had a week's training because Koch was on um, international duty with Germany, so he didn't. He can't have had that much time with the lead setup. He'd only been signed a week, maybe two before that as well, so he didn't have that much time. He was probably getting ready to either start off the bench, or start on the bench, or start with Cooper. Um, Strike doesn't have a huge amount of experience either. Um, he played a few games last year. He's not, like he's he's a good footballer and you can see there was a bit there was a bit there but he wasn't uh he wasn't overly convincing. Mezier made a great save. Um I mean he looked beaten all day. It was a cracking save to turn over the top um it was a bit unfortunate it was one of his own players. But you could see glimpses of Decent football out of the two centre halves, but they just weren't on the same wavelength. Um, it was unfortunate we had to play them together, but I don't think look they they could have done a lot worse. To be quite honest, they did enough to keep it respectable, um, because we are we are still playing probably the be- the best front three in the in the world, um, or one of the best front trees in the world anyway, and. They kept it reasonably okay, Re- reason you know, reasonably uh, safe, would I say. But they weren't. I, I wasn't impressed with the two of them together. Liam Cooper should be back for the weekend, but we'll see. We'll see who partners him. I think it might be strike. I don't think. I think Koch needs a bit more time. Yeah, quite possibly based on on what we've seen. 
Um, but it, it didn't take too long for Leeds to steady themselves. When on the half-hour mark, another ball in behind from the Leeds midfield got the better of Van Dyke, who couldn't get a firm enough connection, and it fell nicely for Bamford, who coolly put it into the back of the net. Was it simply too casual from Van Dyke? I? I'd maybe even use the word cocky, to be honest. <laughs> it's... Um... <clears throat> I don't. I just don't know what he was doing. He was trying to bring it down, trying to flick it onto Robbo. Maybe it was terrible. It was terrible. Whatever he was trying to do. Um, I mean, ninety nine percent of the time he he either just hoofs it out, passes it to Allison, or actually makes the pass to Robertson. It's just. I I don't know what he was doing. I mean, it's just so poor and maybe overconfident. Um, Hopefully that's his one mistake for his six months. He usually has like that. <laughs> so if that's his first mistake and only mistake till till uh, later on in the season, that that'll do me. <laughs> uh, we got we got away with it, but no, I think it like even in the general scheme of things, I think that might be Van Dyke's worst game in the Liverpool shirt. To be honest, um, yeah, he's very casual. Probably a smidge better than Van uh, than uh, Gomez, but that, that's really not saying anything on the day. Um, yeah, yeah, that was so, hard. Yeah, so having your worst game in a Liverpool shirt, possibly, and still winning, you're getting away with one there, I suppose. But if if that continues again next week in, uh, into the uh, Chelsea game and Arsenal game, etc., uh, not good. We only we only have Matip on the bench. We don't can't even fall back to Degsy anymore. Uh, so it's uh, yeah. We we talked about transfers. Centre back's one of the short areas. So hopefully they start play for remembering how to play football because we kind of need them to. Fingers crossed, indeed. Um, now it it was a great finish from Bamford, but earlier in the half. We've seen him have a chance in, in which he took far too many touches and, and took the, the sting out of it. Do you feel that we've seen both the best and the worst of Patrick Bamford in, in that first half of football, Ian? Yeah, I think you see the best and worst of Bamford in any game he scores in. Um, basically, any time he scores a goal, you're going to, you know, that's the best you're going to see of him because nine times out of ten, he seems to doubt himself. Um, he takes a ball, like, like you say, he takes too many touches. Um, he doesn't swing like he he'll swing his left boot at a ball where he should be putting his right on it. He swings his right at a ball that he should be putting his left on it. Um, he'll try and head it when there's no way. You know, you'd be better off just throwing a knee at it or even your chest. Anything else, but your head is too low or it's too high. Or he's um he's frustrating to watch. And there is part of me that thinks that Van Dyke knows Patrick Bamford and sort of went. There's no way he's going to finish this or be anywhere near me. I'll just take this down. It'll be nice and easy. I'll turn around and I'll be on my own. The only thing is Bamford does press and he will. He is relentless in that regard. But I also, you can see it in some games that goalkeepers and defenders aren't too worried about him um, because he is an awful finisher for the most part. Uh, it was a very good finish there. Alisson got a touch on it, but even with the, without the touch, it was going in. It wasn't like Alisson was unlucky, he was beaten, that was the end of it. Um it wasn't his fault though, Van Dyke was awful. Um but it was complacency as as Guy said, I think, um or arrogance even. Um but from from the way Patrick Bamford plays, just part of me thinks 
a lot of people think like that when they're playing against him, that he's not going to finish it, so we'd be fine. But I'm glad he got the goal. Um, hopefully it, it kicks him on, because if he gets 16 goals in the Premier League, we'd be happy enough. 16 goals in the Championship isn't the best return um, for a, for the Champions' top striker. But look, if he gets 16 in the Premiership, I'd be happy to get a few more from Rodrigo. We have two decent strikers there. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's it's not a bad start to, to open his account so early and, and in such a seemingly tough, tough game. Um, now, the the match seemed to have a, a we score, they score pattern, and, and that continued when on 32 minutes, the home team got the fifth goal of the game. Describe the goal for me, Guy. Mo Salah's good at football. <laughs> um, I think that it's... Oh, it's just... This goal may be the most of un- underrated... Christ, I think he said the wrong thing there. Underrated goal of the weekend because any 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 other time, or if say this was done by Paul Pogba, I mean, Sky Sports would have a channel dedicated to it. That is absolutely phenomenal, that finish. Like, I know it was a, goal, it was a, a game of fantastic goals with Harrison's and um, uh, clicks later on. Um, but this one, absolute postage stamp. Like, to put it, like, any other position in that goal, the goalkeeper saves it. It's absolute perfection. Like, he's absolutely hit it as hard as possible, perfectly placed. It It's just magnificent. And more on the day, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the clip going around, Carl, of... of um, some podcasts where they're listing that Mo Salah isn't the ten isn't ten best player in the league, and the first name they leave, <laughs> the first name they say is Pogba is better than him. Not De Bruyne, not Mane, Pogba. So it, it's just uh, it's just absolutely unbelievable. For me, he's the most underrated player in the league, he, even in Liverpool circles. Not not just from the wider wider footballing world. He, he just gets. I think he gets disrespected. People say, "Oh, we." sell him next season. I've been guilty of this myself because realistically I think Real Madrid or Barca may want him at some point but people seem it'll be easy to replace him with, with a Sancho and some people think we might actually get Mbappe which isn't going to happen. Um, <laughs> but it's just he's so he's so under it. He's absolutely brilliant and we, and without him on Saturday we, we we probably lose that game let's be honest. Bob Bobby was terrible which we haven't really had a chance to talk about. Mane tried a bit more, but nothing was really coming off for him. So without more, we probably, with the way the defence was playing, get beat. And that, that's as simple as that. More, more carried us in that game. Obviously getting a hat-trick, but even his open play stuff outside the goals, he, he was just absolutely excellent. And um, if that continues, 17-18, more Salah is back. Well, I mean, my next question was going to be, do, do you feel Salah is back to his best? You know, based on this game, but I, I think you've already answered that Maybe. one. Maybe, yes, <laughs> or po- yes. quite possibly. <laughs> um, uh, now, it was another set piece goal, technically, and you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to put you through any any more pain in in describing how how poor Leeds were at defending those on the day. Um, so we'll we'll move on, and obviously that that brought us through to to half time. Uh, Liverpool were were three two on at that point. Um, at the start of the second half, 
Liverpool once again put, put on some early pressure. For four minutes into the half, there was nice link-up between the front three that resulted in a Firmino pass being deflected through to Genie on the left side of the box. But his shot was saved by Mesley. Now, Ian, did you feel it was a good save by Mesley or do you think Wijnaldum put it a little too close to him? Um, I think it was a good save. Mesley is a good keeper and he's, he's, he is growing. Might have been a little bit close to him, but I mean... You're still playing a Premier League game. High stakes. You're three two down already. You've slipped three goals. Um, I play in goals myself. I know that when you start getting to that stage, it's you need to save everything, and the pressure is on. And he saved it, and that's all we needed from him at that stage. You're, we needed to push on. Then you could see we had the opportunities, or sorry, you could see that we weren't going to, um, we weren't lying down, and we weren't going to take a beat, take a beating. So. At that stage, everything and anything Mesley did was going to be good once he didn't let another goal. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought it was a good save. He, he was, it was a smart stop. Maybe it was a little bit too close to him, but he still had to save it and he did it, so I'm happy enough with it. Well, that's it. You have to, to save the shots that come at you. Uh, now, on 58 minutes, long passes in behind once again proved troublesome for Liverpool with Harrison getting in and rounding Allison, with Trent only able to head it into his own net. Harrison, however, was offside when the ball was played forward. Again, fortunately for from a Liverpool point of view. Now, in Harrison and Costa appeared to be the danger men throughout for Leeds. I mean, what were your thoughts on on their performances? Well, they were danger men for most of the season last year as well. Um, Harrison, not as much as Costa. Well, sorry, they were always danger men, but they were always underlooked because their stats weren't as high as some of the others. Like Hernandez would walk onto the pitch and he'd score and he walks off 15 minutes later. I mean, that happened twice, I think, in the last few games of the season where Bielsa brought him on, he scored, and then goes, right, come on, back off you go, you did your job. No other manager in the world will do that. You're not going to bring someone on, give him five minutes, let him score and go, right, come on, back off you go, that's all you needed. But the two of them played brilliantly. They had their, they had, um, they had Trent and, um, it was called Messenger, so it wasn't it? No. Uh, Robertson. Robertson. They had, they had, Robertson had a good game, but they seemed to have their numbers a bit. Um, they were struggling with them. Um, and the long balls in behind were quite, quite good. Um, I mean, Helder Costa, when he got the, he got the ball in to click for the for the third goal. We'll come to that. <laughs> but they were they were danger men. Um, you could see it. I think the league is going to take notice of the Leeds wide men wide men fairly soon. Um, it's not. I mean, people. I have heard a lot of people saying that we're going straight back down. After Sunday, I can't see that. Or Saturday, I can't see that happening. Um, although, it is only the first game of the season, so you never know what will happen. Well, that, that certainly is. I mean, um, we, we all know all, all too well um, what false promises for first games can bring. But, I mean, with that said, it, it certainly was promising. And those two two men on the, the wings and, and two, two fairly young players uh, were particularly impressive on the day. Um, but Ian mentioned there about the, the long balls pr- proving effective on the day. Was it wor- a worrying trend how easily we were getting undone by them, Guy? Uh, yeah, it really was. It really was. Um, 
it's just something that's not really a weak a weakness usually for us. Like Van Dyke is obviously I think statistically and just looking at him the best centre back in the in the air in the league. Um and obviously most of it apart from the second goal didn't really come down his side. So Gomez Gomez is he's obviously not seven foot tall like Van Dyke, but he's not exactly terrible in the air. Um Trent's normally targeted because why not? Um it's just I don't know, it just seemed everyone was really slow. Like you don't have to win the ball in the air. You can you can win the second ball, and that seems to be what we do better. Like Van Dyke will win everything in the air, but the shorter lads will will win the second ball. If not, Henderson will come clatter into someone. Uh, Ginny will help out whatever side he's playing at because Ginny's normally good in the air. Fabinho's obviously a good monster as well when he's playing. Um, so yeah, it's just I don't know. It just seemed. I was watching uh, Match of the Day too, and they were talking about all well, the leaders, midfielders, kind of splitting on 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 goal kicks and 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 start of playing. Maybe that just screwed with our midfielders' positioning because the amount of times Harrison was pretty much one on one with Trent, it, it was quite concerning. Like the midfield, we we don't have a, a well, it's hard to get a deploying type player, but we don't have an attacking midfielder. For this reason, the midfield is there to protect, to be the engine room, and you just didn't see that yesterday. Like, it'd be, it'd be nice for us to be better in the air, but if if by being shorter than uh, than some players and less physical, you, you need to help help your team out, and our midfield just wasn't doing that really. Speaking of the midfield, shortly after that, Liverpool made their first change with Keita coming off for Fabinho. What were your thoughts on on Keita's performance? Um, I thought he was the best of the starting three, but he wasn't. He wasn't hugely impactful, and that's what we've seen from Naby. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because he he doesn't play all the time, and it's like a rarity of him starting. But he just, I think I obviously did the uh, Red on Hair podcast. I give him a six out of ten. Um, I thought he was all right, but didn't do much. Like he, he seemed the most competent, which is a very it's a very nice thing to say considering the other performances on the day. It's um some I think it's enough to get him more games. And I think if that's his ba- if that's one of his worst games, that's fine because that's kind of what you want. I think that's why Klopp trusts Ginny Henderson and Fabinho as his as his um usual free. The the levels don't really drop that much. So if Kater can have that as his as his flaw, we know we know his ceiling is like absolute top tier god level. So if he if that's his lowest, his we we know his highest can be that. So hopefully in the next few games, um, Naby gets a run, but um, to kind of lead on to Fabinho coming on as well, we we he kind of shown what we missed in the game. Just someone who who can break up play and can deal physically with it because. Henderson can do that when he's not ten percent fit, <laughs> um, which we mentioned earlier. So Fabinho came coming on. It just it just brought us a player who was actually fitter than the rest and um, and had more impact. He, he I think he, I don't have uh, the numbers or anything, but just just looking at him, he did like more ta- just looking at him more tackles than the rest of our midfield combined. Um, he, he he kind of helped get back control. I know you. I know the scored later on, but. Even even with that, it just uh, he just seemed to grapple a bit more control into the game, and I know Leeds had more possession, but I think without the Fabinho sub, we kind of were getting massively overrun. 
Yeah, I think he he certainly uh, made a difference as as did uh, Jones when when he came on later to to that midfield, which which certainly had been below par up to that point. Um, now Leeds seemingly weren't done in the game. On sixty five minutes, they found an equaliser for a third time when a, a throw in from Trent found a Leeds head. Um, how about you take us through the the goal, Ian, and and was it the pick of the bunch? Um, yeah, probably was. Um, I think it, it'll be, it's well looked everyone one of the best goals you're going to see this season. Um, that Salah goal earlier in the game as well, absolute peach. You're not stopping that. Mesdier got close, but you're not stopping it. Um, still fairly poor defending from Leeds, but that was a peach. But I think this one is just, just the way the ball comes across. Kalich takes it down, turns and just strikes a volley. It doesn't look like, sorry, it doesn't have any right going in, realistically. I think there were two defenders in front of him, and he puts a um, pass ball to them and over Allison. Allison probably should have saved it. It was very, very close to Allison, but it was the turn and the audacity to actually just take the strike. I think it was an absolutely cracking goal. Um, and I love Klitsch. He, he scores a lot and he's just, he's an absolute machine. So for him to score in our first match back in the Premier League, I was delighted with it. I mean, he could have scored a tap in and I'd say it was the best goal of the season. He's an absolute, <laughs> I absolutely love him, but it was a very good goal. Salas probably was better, but because he was standing on his own and there wasn't much happening around him, as, as Guy said, I don't think it'll be as, um, as appreciated as maybe, um, this goal by Klitsch. But we once again completely unlocked the Liverpool defence, which is a concern for Liverpool. I mean, our defence was fairly poor, but uh, Liverpool are defending champions and to be unlocked three times realistically isn't ideal. Yeah, certainly. I, I mean, it, it's actually Klitsch who, who plays the ball out to Costa before then continuing his run into the box and he's there to, to take down Costa's cross. I mean... Were, was it just me, Guy, or, or were you also thinking, why doesn't someone pick that, that run up and follow him into the box? Yeah, it was very strange. I think I think it was like a minute after Jones had just come on, hadn't it? So I think it was Jones who... I think it was Jones and Ginny, and he kind of ran between them. It might have been on the blind side of Ginny, but Jones was looking right at him. But what one of them two should have at least followed in, um, because to get... I mean, he wasn't exactly sprinting. He just kind of like... <laughs> jogged past them, and then kind of as soon as the opportunity arose, I mean, it was a fucking, it was an absolutely lovely finish. Um, it's it's just weird. It's just weird. As I mentioned in the last bit, our midfield it, it's there to protect, and they did nothing. But it, it just oh, awful, awful game, awful game from our team. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a concern because. It, it, I don't want to be disrespectful to Leeds, but it's not like we're playing Man City. Like I know Bielsa and, and all that, and is is an excellent excellent manager. But on the first day of the season, you kind of want to see what's to come. And getting unlocked at will by a newly promoted team, regardless of how good they actually are, it is a concern. Um, but hopefully, it it is a fitness thing rather than a long term issue, which has kind of been the uh, the overall kind of point of this pod from my side but yeah it, it's very worrying so hopefully it's more the fact that Jones had only just come on but um, 
Yeah, well, it wasn't exactly great again. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it certainly wasn't that. And, I mean, the visitors weren't too far away from taking the lead then on, on 76 minutes. Uh, a loose ball from Firmino resulted in him giving away a free in a dangerous area. However, Phillips puts it just wide to the left, and, and it did seem that Allison possibly had it covered. I mean, you touched on it earlier, Guy, but what did you make of Firmino's performance and, you know, the fact that he failed to get a shot on target despite two clear chances? Um... He, I thought he was pretty bad, apart from two inc- incidents, uh, in, uh, movements, and uh, moments in the game. That's what I'm looking for. Words, guy. Um, yeah, I thought that apart from two moments in the game, he he, he was pretty bad. I think there was the one where uh, Mo and Marnie passed to each other like twice, and then Marnie hit a terrible shot. I think Bobby started that one. And then it was the cutback for the uh, was it the first? I think it was the first Ginny chance. But other than that, I just thought. He kind of looked lost. Like I don't feel like he was pressing that well. Maybe that's because Leeds obviously are used to playing from the back, so maybe playing around it to is suited to them. Um, but he just looked lost. Like there was that. Was it the first? It was like right at the start of the first half, wasn't it? Bobby had a one-on-one, and he tried to cut it back like through three Leeds players to pretty much no one in the Liverpool shirt. So for me, that just shows that his confidence absolutely gone. Like this is a player we um, champion for elite decision making, selflessness, which is obviously part of the the cutbacks and not taking shots. But like a couple of year ago, I mean, I think he still got twenty odd goals in the league. I think that was seventeen, eighteen. So he is obviously capable in front of goals. So when you see Liverpool fans say it's not his job to score goals, he can have a shot. <laughs> it's not that difficult. Um, but yeah, I thought he was awful apart from, apart from the moments I mentioned. He's just, he's looked off it a while and that, that's the, uh, that's the worry there, Carl. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned Minamino that when we we're on about the starting lineups, it's getting to that point we, we mentioned with Matip and Gomez. This one's never going to happen because Firmino's like the first name on the team sheet. But if Bobby keeps putting out stinkers, especially at home, which is very weird, um, we might have to think about Minamino either coming and playing on the left or actually getting minutes as the central one. And then may, if not, we can move Mane or um, more to the middle. But it, it's become a concern, um, especially for me recently with Bobby. He's He's not doing the stuff even when the stuff that you go, he's a false nine, all this jazz, he does the press and he does the hold up play, the link play. I don't think he's doing it, doing that too well. And that's my main concern. Like, I can forgive the lack of goals because we have more Salah and Mane, But when the other stuff falls away, that's the, that's when, that's when I'm thinking, mm, you can see why we wanted Timo Werner before COVID and all that jazz. So yeah, it, it, it might be one. Probably for next transfer window, but maybe we do have to find a successor for Bobby <coughs> sooner rather than later. Yeah, sir, certainly. I mean, uh, I don't think many people could argue with that. Um, now, Liverpool thought their lead was restored on 78 minutes when Van Dijk found the back of the net with a volley from a corner, but it was chalked off after Jones was adjudged to have fouled Koch, kind of saving him as blushes there after he lost Van Dijk again, as as you touched on earlier, Ian. So um, we'll, we'll let Koch off here. I think we've discussed him enough. I just think it was a, a debut for him to forget. Um, but... After some good pressure on 86 minutes, one of the aforementioned Firmino chances resulted in a corner. 
Van Dijk once again proved difficult for the Leeds to defend defence to deal with. The ball came to Fabinho, which substitute Rodrigo lunging in on him, resulting in another penno. Is it a shame for Rodrigo that, that his only contribution appeared to be what, what can only be described as a, a striker's challenging? Yeah, 100%. Like, it's his debut, he comes on, he's in the box, doing exactly what Bielsa would want him to do, back in, defending, doing your best, and he just, I mean, like, it was a pointless challenge. Um, if you're going to challenge like that, you're either making sure you get the ball, or you're getting your foot out of there as quickly as possible, because it it, it felt like it was in slow motion as he did it, and you're, as a Leeds fan, you're sitting there watching it going, He's just going to take him down. This is a penalty. Before it happened, you could see it happening. Um, I feel bad for him because it's a it, it's a fairly crap debut, debut, and for him and Koch to both have really really poor displays in their debuts, um, it's not great. Um, I know, uh, like thankfully it's no Jonathan Woodgate debut for Real Madrid, but neither of them are particularly good. Um, but hope look. It can happen to anyone. It's a striker's challenge, as you said. Um, I would have preferred someone like Phillips in there. I think even Koch would have been a better option to be there, even though he'd had such a stinker so far, or that, um, so far in the game. But, look, there's nothing you can do. I feel bad for him. But hopefully he can just brush it off and keep going and um, just show us exactly what he's made of in the next game. Yeah, no, certainly. I, mean, I think strikers are often, you know, they they know their their job isn't to to defend and make challenges, so they'll they're they're often good at brushing those kind of mistakes off. They they do happen. There's a reason why there is a term, the forward challenge. Um, but of course, from that peno guy, Salah puts it away, and you know, for me, often Salah has just done enough on penos you know they, they haven't been the, the nicest of penos they're, they're not quite up there with with uh, uh jimmy milner but i i think the, the two on the day were quite convincing weren't they yeah i'm, I'm with you there <laughs> he's never going to convince me of penalties i mean we've had uh what we have we've had gerard we've had uh alonzo at times uh milner recently. oh the if Dirk Kite was taking a penalty, you could literally just, you, you knew it was going in. Um, hell, even like Ricky Lambert, I think he, I think he missed his one he took for us. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I just don't have that same confidence in, in Mo taking a penalty. And I think he's pretty much scored all of them apart from like one. Um, but it's, it's, it just seems like a hit and hope. But I'm probably doing him a disservice because, I mean, the second one is absolutely, it's spot on. He, he sends the keeper the wrong way. And the first one is an absolute FIFA penalty. Just hit it as hard as you can down the middle. It's, be- it's beautiful stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of, he got the goals he deserved on the day more, even if they are from the penalty spot. Get, getting a hat trick. Um, it, he, he just deserved it. He deserved it in a day. I think more deserved the win, whereas the rest of the team probably didn't. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was one of them days. We, we got away with one, I think. Yeah, I, I think it was certainly a performance worthy of a hat trick, and I, I think if if not for Mo Salah, it, it quite possibly would have been a Leeds player getting man of the match, and I, I think that even if they had lost, um, which says it all. Um, but 
Fortunately, as I said, Liverpool just managed to, to get over the line with a 4-3 win and and get the three points, which is the, the main thing on the opening day. Now, I want to look at a few notable stats. Liverpool had 22 shots to six and an XG of 2.76 to Leeds 0.32. Um, the, the likely criticisms of our performance would be switching off at the back at times and being wasteful in front of goal, I, I think it's fair to say. Now, people have pointed out that these aforementioned stats were notably better than our opening day fixture against Norwich last season. Um, which, which, I mean, you, you could say <laughs> you could criticize us for the same things in, in that game. Um, have some fans been somewhat reactionary to the performance as they were last August? Ultimately, are three points all that matters on the opening day, Guy? Um, I think it's a different situation of the Norwich one because Norwich, we obviously coming off the back of the Champions League, um, coming off a winner in the Champions League final, obviously, there was a lot more and this is going to sound weird considering we won the league, there was a lot more positivity coming into that season because Man City lost a few um, key players and stuff, and you're thinking, if we just do the same, we'll win the league. Um, whereas this season, as I said right at the start, we won the league in December and we've been pretty poor, especially Project Restart, we were awful apart from like one game. Um, so the fact that we finished last season quite poorly for what the rest of the season was. And then starting the season, as you say, a win is a win, but we did play very sloppily throughout. It's... Concern might be too strong a word, but it kind of... I want to blow a team away quite soon, (laughs) if you get what I mean. I'd like to have the confidence back in the team, and that that might just come with fitness. Obviously, it's a very weird situation with having like a three-week pre-season and stuff like that. So hopefully uh, when Hendo's back fit, when Trent's back fit, if Bobby remembers how to play football, um, that'd be lovely. Um, So hopefully, maybe unlikely Chelsea or Arsenal, having said that, Brighton keep cutting Chelsea open quite a bit, so maybe Chelsea. Um, Yeah, it's just hopefully we batter someone pretty soon and... Maybe keeping a clean sheet's more important than battering someone, actually, as, as I think about it. The, the fact that the defence has been so leaky, so sloppy. If we, if we win a game, maybe winning a game like 1-0 or 2-0 might, might do for, do more for the fans' confidence than winning 4-1 or something like that. So yeah, just, uh, a clean sheet or a battering would do me in, in the next few games. Yeah, I think we're all hungry for a Crystal Palace-esque win, you know, that the, the match yes, that ultimately exactly. got us the points that, that won the title. I, I think that would do a lot to, to kind of settle people's nerves and, and bring a bit more positivity back. Um, now the, Aforementioned stats are, are interesting for, for me from, from a Leeds point of view as well. Um, in the previous two seasons under BLs, as, as you touched upon before, Ian, your chance conversion was notably poor. Was this evidence of that starting to change, possibly? Um, possibly. I mean, we scored half the shots we took, which is always good. Um, we... Oh, to be to be honest, I'm 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 glad it's starting. Hope sorry, hopefully it is evidence it's going to start changing. And hopefully they worked on it because Bielsa seems to take his time and work on a lot of things. Sorry, works on one or two things at a time until the team are brilliant at it and then move on to something else. So hopefully now is 
is finishing because we desperately needed to to increase our um, shot conversion rate. So look, if it's fifty percent, I'm happy with that because it was absolutely horrendous the last couple of seasons. So anything, look, anything, be- anything better than the last two seasons, I'm happy with. Yeah, certainly it's a, it's a positive to to see your side be be clinical and and I mean another notable stat there that you actually enjoyed the the majority of the possession with fifty two percent, and I mean I, I think that was a, a sign of of how brave Liver Leeds were in their their attempts to go toe to toe with the champions for for ninety minutes. I mean, is is that the the positive that you you take from the match to, despite the loss? Yeah, and that's what we did in the championship last year. For most for most of our games, we dominated possession. We um we never gave up. We were relentless in attack. Um, a lot of teams are relentless in attack and relentless in the press. Don't actually hold the ball as much as we do. Um, but because we're happy to play it around at the back, across the middle, anywhere it's like that, we'll pass the ball to death if we have to. Um, I mean, I'm glad our next game is against Fulham. Um, because. We've beaten them before. I think we'll beat them now because we have, we've, we've given a very good account of ourselves on the first day, whereas they haven't. Um, we need to get a win under our belt and I can't see any better time than the second game of the season against Fulham at home. And then we'll, we'll go from there. We'll see how it goes. But look, we keep the possession the way we do. We increase our, um, our, our conversion rate. I can, I can, I look middle, te- middle to upper, te- upper middle table. I'll take, look, I'll take not getting relegated. <laughs> I'll, I'd hope you get, you know, middle, mid table, a little bit higher if possible. But once you don't get relegated, I'm happy out. Yeah, I think there's certainly a lot of positives for, for Leeds to, to take from the game despite the loss. And, um, I mean, as Guy possibly suggested that maybe the only positive Liverpool can take aside from the three points, of course, which is the main thing is the, the possible return to form of one Mo Salah. Um, but nonetheless, the Reds got the three points. It was a very enjoyable, exciting game. Probably the the pick of the opening weekend, and I mean you can't can't have any complaints when when football entertains you. And I'm sure, you know, for for all Premier League fans, we're just looking forward to to more and more games. So uh, let's be glad football is back. Um, so that about covers everything. I'd like to thank both Ian and Guy for joining me today to to bring you through this one. Um, any plugs from your end, Guy? Um, yeah, we've obviously got a one-up out at the minute. Uh, we pretty much react to the recent Xbox news and go through the Ubisoft non-event. Um, as I, I kind of slipped in a cheeky plug as well, I, we did um, rate don't hate on the paid side of the site, so if you're a subscriber, check that out. Uh, it's pretty much this podcast, but with a rating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, check that out. And uh, as Carl mentioned uh, right at the start, we'll, there's a uh, Sony event in the middle of the week, so we'll probably do another one-up over the weekend. And I won't get distracted by all the football and edit it on a Monday <laughs> this time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll, uh, that that's me. <clears throat> Perfect. So um, I'm sure everyone here is aware of Guy. Um, so I'm sh- it, I, I think it's it's a, a waste of breath to, to tell you to follow him on Twitter. But if you don't already, do. And you can follow Ian on Twitter at Brogan is good. You can. 
you Quite. won't get very much content, but I am on there a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I'm sure maybe he'll, he might have a lot more to say this season now with, with Leeds back at, at the top table. Um, so give him a follow if, if you're, especially if you're a Leeds fan that happens to be listening to this. Um, but that's it from me. Thanks again to the guys for joining me. And I'll be back next week to cover our match away to Chelsea. So speak to you then. Enjoy the football. Podcast Network.